Let's go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and, uh, and let's take a moment this morning to pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity now to study your word, to hear from heaven. Lord, give us direction, we pray. Give us wisdom, we ask, and, uh, and open our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that, may we, that we may receive of you and walk in your ways, that you may be glorified in all we do and say. Thank you for your help now. Utterance in the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, we've been in a series for a few weeks. This is part five now, Made of Honor. We are talking about being people of honor, those who honor the Lord. And so I want to go back and read our, our, our scripture that we've been reading every week. Second, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. It says, Therefore... The Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Can we see here that whether or not we are honored by God is entirely up to us? He didn't say... Those who I really like, those who really just, there's just something about them that's cool, I will honor. No, he said, those who honor me. He said, I will honor. Think about that for a moment. God himself wants to honor you. Amazing. Imagine it. God himself wants to honor you. I don't know if you've ever been honored by someone. Maybe you've received an award. Maybe someone was just, they treated you with high esteem and regard. And maybe that made you feel important or blessed or, or, or thankful to them in, in some regard. But think about God honoring you. The God of the universe wants to say, you are important to me. You are someone of great value. You, you carry much weight, much significance in my kingdom, in my plan. I think about you. I want to honor you. Amen. God says, stand up. I want to honor you. That's a big deal. This is no small thing we're talking about. And every one of us can have it. I don't know if you've ever felt insignificant in your life. Maybe you felt like at times you didn't really matter. Maybe you were unimportant. Maybe whether you showed up to wherever you were going wasn't really going to make a difference. People didn't really care if you came and whether you didn't come. You just, that's kind of the way you felt. I want you to know that when God honors you, if you're not there, there's a big hole. When God honors a person, He makes them very heavy. <laughs> he makes them weighty in the, in, the, in, in the grand scheme of things. They're very, very important. When they're missing, there's something missing. See, isn't that true about everybody? No, it's not. There are some that if they don't go, if they don't show up, wherever they're going 
it's not really going to make a difference. People aren't going to go, we can't go forward. We can't do anything because so-and-so is not here. They might go, is someone gone? Hmm, I don't know. All I know is I don't want to be that person. And I know it's up to me whether I am. Say, who is that person? It's the person who doesn't honor God. Because the person who does honor him, he himself said, I will honor you. I will make you of such great importance, of such significance, that if you're not there, there's a big honking hole. Because you're a big deal. You are very, very important to what I've got going. Amen. And this is what we're talking about. The potential of this is great, and it's great for me, and it's great for you. If I will learn how and commit to honoring him in everything that I do. Everybody good? All right. Is that enough for today? All right. I got a little bit more then. One way or a few ways that I've found that people at times dishonor the Lord or are disrespectful or they make light of him is people are tempted at times to make light of things like this. The word that they've already heard. If I got up and read the most well-known verse in the Bible, many would go, well, I'll say say many, but some be tempted at least to go, oh, is that what he's going to teach today? Uh, I kind of already know that. Uh, I've studied that. They make light of it. You know what I'm talking about? If I were to say our text today is John 3.16. those who honor and give high esteem to God's word even if they know that verse front and back Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, whatever they've torn it apart, they know it they'd be on the edge of their seat saying praise God it's the word of God never let yourself hear and if I jump up and say we're going to teach on Mark 11, 23 on faith and you've studied that for years you don't let yourself drop down mentally you highly esteem because what it does it's honoring him therefore God honors us with revelation and more light and more understanding so people sometimes are tempted to lightly esteem the word that they've heard before Uh, another example is communion sometimes people will lightly esteem communion it's one of those things that if you've been a Christian for a while there's certain uh ordinances of the church that we do again and again and again and again certain things that we repeat and if you've been a believer for a long time you've probably received like gallons of communion juice loaves of bread you know what I'm talking about but there could be a temptation that when it's time and you come in or you know we have the things before us it's like ho-hum yeah, that's the body, yeah, that's the blood, yeah, that, yada, yada. No, 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 we can't do that. We don't want to lightly esteem these things that are so valuable and important to the Lord. He institutes them for a reason. Let it never be a drop in your expectation and mentality of something you've seen before. Prophecy is one of those things. The Bible, in fact, we're given specific instruction in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 not to despise prophesying. Don't make light of it. Why would someone do that? 
Well, maybe they've been around it a lot. Someone pipes up, thus saith the Lord. Maybe someone said, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord didn't thus say. And you hear prophecies and nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came to pass what they said was going to come to pass. So next time someone gets up and says, yea, thus saith the Lord, you go, oh, no. You've got to watch out because the real thing must be highly esteemed. Must be given much weight and value in our lives. We don't want to diminish it. You know, how many understand that probably a vast majority of churches don't even know what prophecy is? They don't know what it is. They, they, don't, they don't do it, don't know how to do it, don't know how to judge it, don't know how to do it. They've despised it. They've despised it sometimes through gener- generations of, of, of church influence. They've set certain parts of the Word of God aside. Are you listening? Listen, I'm telling you, many churches, especially in our day, they refuse the move of God's Spirit because it's uncomfortable for some who are, they think, who are new. I'm telling you, that's disrespectful to the, to, the, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's disrespectful to that Spirit of Grace, the Holy Spirit. You, we're going to shut Him down and act like that, kind of, that part of what you want to do is not important. I'll go ahead with this part of what you want to do, but the rest, we're not given any place for that? Mm, I don't like that. While we're talking, well, this is just bonus stuff for today. Is that all right? You know, it's, and I realize most of us are family, but I'm going to say what comes up in my heart. Uh, A church that a person goes to is critical to their future. It's not like choosing a gym. You know what I'm talking about? It's not like which grocery store do you shop at? You know, which one saves you the most money or, or something like. It's far beyond that. It's not just about some of the things. It's vital to a person's future to some degree now whether they'll even have one. I remember a guy, uh, some of you may have heard of him, Norval Hayes, old minister, older minister now. He's about 140, I think. But No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't mean that in disrespect to him. I just don't know how old he is. Uh, and I hadn't been influenced by him to any great degree, but I've heard him on a few occasions. But he used to say, and I won't even call the church. He would do it, but I'm not going to. He would say of a certain church, certain denomination, that they killed his mom. And he would say, if you want to kill your mom, uh, you know, I'm putting this in my words, recounting what he would say, uh, send, him, send, her to this ch- send him to this church. He called a certain denomination. <laughs> and uh, why would he say that? It's because I think his mom died of cancer and they wouldn't tell her how to get healed. And so he really, it might sound like, whoa, I can't believe you said that. It didn't, he didn't have a bad attitude. He had a right heart about it. He was communicating something. So I don't want to misrepresent what he was saying. Uh, but he was basically telling, telling people, if you want to kill someone or you want to die young, you go to this church. Because they won't tell you how to get healed. And I believe uh, that the Lord wants people to understand that being led by Him in regards to these matters is vital. Not only for the connection and for what He wants to do by putting something in a person, but you can go places, and if I just stay with that illustration, they will. if you get sick, they're not going to tell you how to get healed. They don't know if it's God's will. 
They don't know if God wants to do it. We do know. Amen. Not because we're better. We're graced with, with in understanding from his word. But if I don't know that, and someone said, well, that doesn't really matter to me so much. That's because you're not sick. You're not terminal. If you were, you'd care. Why do you think people flock from the outside to our healing meetings that don't go to church here? Because they can't get it somewhere else. No one else will help them get healed. And I'd say, I say no one else. We're not the only ones. We're not better than everybody else. I don't mean it in that regard. But sometimes people don't recognize that where they attend will determine the success of their future. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes whether there'll be a future. Anyway, let's go back to our message today. That was part of it, I guess, because that's what the Lord said was part of it. But people make light of, what did I say? Prophecy. People make light of, sometimes tempted to make light of church. Oh, we do that. We go there every week. Church happens. You know, because church happens like again and again. And like next month, we're going to be doing it again. <laughs> every week, week in, week out, year after year after year, church is always happening. Don't ever let it be in your mind where you come and it's a letdown. Up here. Up here. I mean, you're there. You're honoring God in that regard. But there's kind of a lowered expectation. Okay, I know what they're going to do. I know how many songs they're going to sing. I know when the, when the offering is. I know when uh, they're going to pray and do testimonies. I, you know, all these things. I got this figured out. See, what happens when something's done again and again, many times people uh, make light of it. You know, it's like we start praying for the lost people in our services. And the first couple times, yeah, people are praying hard. And people are getting into it, praying with great passion. And a few weeks later, just praying for the lost. You know what I'm talking about? What's different? Well, it's the same. The Word is the same. God's the same now as ten years from now. But in our minds sometimes, we don't give Him the importance and the weight that He deserves and all the things that He's involved with. Let's, not, let's watch out that that doesn't happen. Amen. Okay, now back to 1 Samuel. We've been reading that 30th verse now for, for uh, five weeks and setting this up. Let me tell you what was coming before that verse. Eli was the priest, and he was getting old, and he had two sons who were in the priesthood, and they were doing the work of the temple, and they were running the sacrifices, but they were wicked. They were bad dudes. They didn't know God. And they were doing all the stuff. People would bring their sacrifices and they were stealing stuff. They were basically stealing the offering. And they were supposed to take part of it, but they were not supposed to take all of it. And, uh, and they were doing some things wrong. There was this group of women that would come, had dedicated themselves to serving the Lord and serving before His uh, temple there. And, uh, and they, were, they were sleeping with the women. They were causing other people to sin. These guys were bad news, and they're the ministers. How many know the ministers are doing all that kind of stuff? The congregation's in trouble. And, and, and they were doing some bad stuff. And, uh, and Eli heard of what they were doing, and he called his boys in and said, This is not right. You guys need to knock that off. This is sin. How can you do this? You're, you know, this is bad news. And, and, and he talked to them about it, and they kept on doing it anyway. 
They didn't listen. They didn't heed his voice. And he wasn't strong enough with them. He allowed them to continue. And let's read verse 29. Uh, right before, that's right before 30 that we have been reading. Verse 29 says, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my dwelling, which I have commanded in my dwelling place? My offering, I read that wrong. My offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Notice he said, why do you do this and you honor your sons more than me? Think about what he's saying. This is right before he then read, he then told him, because the Lord sent the prophet to Eli to tell him this. Why are you honoring your kids more than me? That was a problem. Amen. So what do you mean? He talked to them, but he didn't talk to them enough. He didn't deal with them strong enough. He didn't deal with them to the point where, where he said, listen, guys, uh, this is going to change the way you're behaving. And what you're doing here, it's stopping today. And if it doesn't, you're out. You're out. You are gone. You are Donald Trump. <laughs> you're fired, Right? He didn't do that. He allowed them. He gave them a, a word telling them this is wrong. You shouldn't do this. But he allowed them to continue on in that place. And this was, the Lord said, honoring them more than me. And it's amazing. Eli got in trouble for what his kids were doing. Is it possible today that some parents are, letting, are allowing their kids to do things they ought not do? How many understand parents are responsible? But sometimes people will make excuses. Well, I'm not doing this because of my kids. I'm not there because of my kids. I know sometimes people skip church services and things like that because of their kids. Well, my kids. Are you sure you want to do that? Sure you want to say that? Because one, you know what? It dishonors God. Two, doesn't help the kids. You know, kids are not benefited by an extra hour's worth of sleep at the expense of missing out on the things of God. They're not. I'm not talking about every day and you ignore their physical needs. But there's, there is great value, great value in a parent saying, kids, this is what's important in our family. And sometimes it's going to inconvenience us. And sometimes it's going to be, uh, you know, sometimes we're going to miss, miss a little bit of sleep because God's things are the most important to us more than anything else in life. Hmm? That's honoring God. What will he do? He'll honor us. He'll honor us. We've got to watch out that we don't fall into the same trap that Eli fell in where he honored his kids. Maybe he felt like, man, if I tell my kids that, they're never going to come home for Thanksgiving again. You know, if I get on them, if I fire them, uh, their mother is never going to talk to me again. <laughs> hmm. And there's temptation to just not say anything when people are doing the wrong thing that are in, in your control. And you just don't want to offend. You don't want to bug them. I tell you what, God has got to be more important than other things to us. His way, we must honor Him ahead of time. I don't want to get rebuked by the Lord. Amen. And sometimes parents, listen, if you have kids in your home, you've got to require that they act a certain way. Sometimes people, and I don't mean, I don't mean to, 
rock any boats today. I mean, I guess I just mean to tip them over. Uh, but, <laughs> but there are some times when people say, I just don't know why my kid is acting this way. I just don't know why, why they won't do this. Can I tell you in love, it's because you're letting them. It's because you say, well, you can't tell what kids are going to do these days. Sometimes they just go off and they do, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, there is. You might, yes, they're going to fight back. Yes, they're going to stiffen their neck and harden their heart at times. But while they're in your control, you make them do what they're supposed to do. You require it. No question, no discussion, period. It's done. This is what you're going to do. I'm telling you, that works. Now, I don't mean they're going to go, okay. They might not, but if you stay with it, eventually they uh, if stay with it, eventually they will. They'll recognize that it's honoring to God, and it's dishonoring to God when we let them run over us. Because we think, oh, they're going to be upset with me, and I want to be friends. You want to be parent, not friend. Friendship's down the line a little bit. Amen. Anyway, uh, thank you, Lord. Eli gave these guys a gentle rebuke, but he didn't deal seriously with their actions against his, son, their, his sons. And, they, and this, uh, this was not honoring to God. And uh, I think it's amazing sometimes when people are in church and they don't recognize God's presence. They don't recognize that He is there. I think we should understand above everything that He's everywhere. But, you know, kind of like especially we should recognize Him here. It's like Eli's kids. I mean, it's not like they were out working on a construction site and doing some bad things. That would have been bad by itself, right? Because it's wrong no matter what. But, but you're like working in the church and you're doing this. Does that not register? Do you think maybe God knows about that? <laughs> I've seen at times people who work in church and they have a bad attitude. Or they're doing some things kind of crooked or talking about someone else and you think aren't you aware at all that God is here don't you know that he's listening to that conversation he sees your heart no matter what everyone else sees it's like uh, the story of Elisha remember Naaman the uh, the Syrian guy who had leprosy and he came to seek out the prophet uh, because of that that problem and uh, and Elisha had his assistant Gehazi but when the Syrian guy got healed, he, he, he came with presents. And Naaman wanted to give a lot of gifts to Elisha. And he declined. He said, no, this is, that's not right. I'm not going to accept that gift now. But after he left, Gehazi went after him and said, uh, he changed his mind. And uh, he'd like two of these and a couple of these. And uh, he'll go ahead and take one of these too. And, of course, he was healed of leprosy. He was very glad to give it to him. And so Gehazi got his new clothes and his, his stuff, and he's trotting back. And are you not thinking? One, God is everywhere. Two, you work for a prophet. <laughs> Have you not seen the revelation gifts in operation in various times where he knows things supernaturally? Wow. And he struts in there. Hey, how's it going? What's up? And Elisha knows everything that he did. And he's in trouble. And he got to trade his new clothes for some leprosy. Bummer, huh? 
I remember that uh, there was another uh, church I'm aware of. There was this person in the church that was uh, that was stealing money, and uh, not like from the offerings and stuff, but they were involved. And you know, there's events and different things. Money's being uh, changing hands, and they were involved and helping, and you know, being a real good servant. And uh, you know, but taking a twenty here and taking a twenty here and just taking stealing it. I mean, it's not like I mean, literally stealing. It's not like stealing the tithe. That's a different kind of stealing. But, uh, but uh, they were stealing money. And, again, it boggles my mind. Okay, I understand. Kind of. Not fully, but if someone wants to steal from 7-Eleven. You know, or rob a bank or something. I mean, I understand. Although, you should know God's at 7-Eleven, too. You should know God's at the bank. And I can't do that anywhere. I just, I can't do that. God's there. And I don't want to, but I mean, God's there if I did want to. I mean, it's like he's right there. I can't do that. But in church, how how does it not register? I'm going to go in this office. I don't think nobody's here. Yes, the Lord's there. You call yourself a Christian and not aware of that. It's odd. Anyway, they set this person up and did a little sting. Caught him red-handed. Thank you, Lord. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. And let's read over here in verse 19. We're talking about honor. If we'll honor him, he'll honor us. 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Does the Lord know you? Yes, He does. He knows your name and your email address, and He loves you so much. He knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What's the word there? If you're going to talk the talk, Walk the walk. Amen? If you're going to carry the bumper sticker on your car, uh, drive the speed limit. Amen? Be courteous to others around you. If you're going to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, you name the name of Christ, your actions need to follow that. Isn't that that the word to believers here? Let your lifestyle be that of a child of God. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now think about that. In every great house, you got honor and you got dishonor. You got gold and stuff and you got clay and dirt and stuff. Now, if that were the only verse in the Bible, I think there's probably a natural human tendency to gravitate towards where most of us would say, Okay, I'm probably the wood and the clay. I'm I know I know God honors some, but I guess not me. And a lot of people view things that way. That well, the Lord sets some up, the Lord does special things in some people's lives, but just not mine. I'm just one of those dishonorable vessels. Bummer. Right? But thank God that's not the only verse. Thank God the the, the scripture does not end there. There's honor and there's dishonor. There's gold, there's wood, there's clay. Uh, But verse 21 says, 
Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor. Who is it up to? Whether I'm a person of honor, a vessel of honor or not, is entirely up to me. It's not about God's choosing. He chooses to use one person special and chooses to use another one, uh, not to use another one. No, 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 no. It's up to me. And notice the language there. If he cleanses himself. How many understand that's different than the Lord cleansing him? This is not talking about the Lord will cleanse you. This is not talking about the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses us from all of our sin. No, this is something different. This is talking about what I do to myself. Amen. And that is entirely up to me. What should I cleanse myself? From the latter. I'm to depart from iniquity. I'm to depart from dishonor. When I will do that, the Lord will set me up. I will become a vessel of honor. If I choose to do that. Not the Lord selects me. Not that there's something about me that God likes and so He picked me. No, there's something about Him that I like because He loved me while I was yet a sinner. I don't mean to imply that we start the process. He did it first. But, but there's something about Him that I honored and I got the kickback on that and He honored me. What is iniquity? We could say that it's anything that dishonors. It makes light of God's plan, God's people, and God's presence. Anything that makes light of that is what would be considered iniquity. Amen. But I want you to notice the other thing here. If anyone will cleanse himself from the latter, what is the latter? It's not just dishonor and iniquity. It's vessels of dishonor. One thing I must do in order to be a vessel of honor is I must cleanse or I must separate myself from vessels of dishonor. I don't think many have realized the great connection there is in a person going up or a person going down and their associations. If I ignore these principles and I just think, well, I'm... I'm my own person. I'll do whatever I decide to do. It doesn't matter who I associate with. They're really going to miss something. And God is telling us right here, if you want to be a vessel of honor, you've got to associate with those vessels of honor. You've got to disassociate with those who are vessels of dishonor. You might know this scripture, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts. If I have bad company and good habits, my good habits are about to be corrupted according to the word of God. And notice the language right before that. Do not be deceived. Why would the Bible tell me not to be deceived? I think, I think you could say, do not be deceived in front of every verse of the, of the Bible. I mean, right? I mean, just don't be tricked. Don't be duped. Don't be a bumblehead. Don't, don't be someone uh, who is easily fooled. Know this to be true. Don't be deceived into thinking this is not true. You could say that anywhere. 
What that makes me think, though, when it does say it, it must be extra important. There must be a high opportunity now for me to be deceived in regarding to this statement. Evil company corrupts good habits. So obviously there's something working in the minds of people that says, that ah, doesn't really matter. I mean, I know my friends are not the greatest of friends. I know they're not the most honorable people in life, but I'm kind of a leader anyway, and so I don't really follow people. And so basically what they're saying is, that verse doesn't apply to me. I've got a feeling that that don't be deceived part has your name on it. It's got the person's name on it who thinks the rest of it doesn't really apply. But it's not the only time in Scripture. You can see it in numerous places. But don't be deceived. This is what's going to happen. And when it comes to us being people of honor, this is an essential ingredient. I cannot have all the wrong associations in my life and think that I'm going to continue honoring God. No. Ask yourself a question about, about your closest friends. Are they among those who are always complaining and critical of others? Are they disrespectful to authority? Are they always finding faults? Are they running down people and, and the, the, the things of God that should be honored? Say, well, I'm not doing it. They're doing it. That's what this is talking about. Because if they're doing that, it is not honoring God that you're embracing them. Amen. You go back to uh, Eli. Eli was in trouble with God. Why? For what his kids did. He got in trouble with God for what his kids did. Now listen, his kids were grown. But they were still under his authority in this regard. They were still working for him. And he should have controlled them. Uh, He should have controlled. It's not just a matter of what I do but it's what I allow. If I say I'm doing right, but I tolerate and allow all kinds of dishonorable things around me that are, in, that are in my control. I'm not talking about someone who I can't run someone else's life, but that are in my control, then the Lord is going to deal with me about that. I know as, as a pastor, uh, the Lord holds me accountable for what happens in this church. If I allow a bunch of uh, dishonor and disrespect and griping and fussing and backbiting and stuff, that's a problem. With who? Me. I mean, them too. But it's not just about what I do personally. It's what I allow in my life. If I were to to take a a table right here and, and I lay across this table and I get a handcuff, and I grab Jeremy here, and I I handcuff my wrist to his wrist. I get on the table, and he lays here on the floor. And uh, and we're, we're hooked together. Which is easier, for me to pull him up or for him to pull me down? Isn't that, that's easy. And this is one of the reasons why the Lord wants us to watch our associations. It's easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up. Now, I'm not talking about we're not here to help people who are down. If he has a good heart, if he has a will to be up, 
then I can talk to him. Because I can't just pull him up all by myself. I've got to convince him to help. And if he says, you know, I'd really like to be on that table. That's a nice table. I'd really like to be up there with you. Uh, Then I can say, well, scoot your feet underneath you. (laughs) And then I'd give him a little help, and we'd pull him right up. Amen. How many understand we're talking about this? This is not talking about separating from the world. We're going to be in people's lives who are worldly in order to influence them. We don't want to cut off those relationships. And I'm, I'm really not even talking about uh, cutting, just cutting people off. Well, you're dishonorable. I'm never talking to you again. No. Because <laughs> listen, a lot of times, some of these relationships are, are ch- in church. There are people who name the name of Christ. That's the context. They name the name of Christ but are not departing from iniquity. They say, I'm a Christian, but they talk about people. But they're disrespectful. They have no manners. They have no respect for the things of God and for the people of God and for the presence of God. Hmm? And they're in church. Makes it kind of tough, huh? But what do we do? Well, I don't want to offend them. They might leave. Some people are going to. And we're going to be here for them when they get back, if they come back. But we don't, we're not going to dishonor God in the process of trying to embrace someone being however disrespectful they want to be. Sometimes we just step back and say, hey, we love you, but, you know, that's just really not too cool here. And they're going, I want to keep the relationship. Well, they don't. God is the most important relationship. We love Him and we love people. But, again, we don't lower His standards so that everyone will accept us. It's like we don't remove the, in any portion of God's Word or remove any part of the move of His Spirit so people will embrace us. No, what God wants matters most. His will is more important to me than anything. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me. It's the sustenance by which I live. I thrive and I exist on God's will. And sometimes when you do God's will, other people don't like it. What do we do? We love them. We still love you. We're still sweet. But I'm not about to spend hours and hours of time with you if you disrespect the things of God. If you're talking about my other friends, my other brothers and sisters and family in the Lord, if you're talking about everything they do, eh, we just can't hang out. I just don't want to spend a whole lot of time. It doesn't take a real wise person to be critical of everything else. It's not a real high, lofty, top-rung type of person who is able to, to accurately expose everyone else's problem and be disrespectful. Amen. Let's read the rest of this and we'll finish here today. It says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified. Sanctified means separated. Separated unto God. And look at that. And useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. If a person does this, he becomes useful. What if a person does not cleanse himself from the latter? They're not useful. They're not useful to God. Doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't love him. He just can't use them. Do you see that? Uh, sometimes we want to just kind of wash over stuff like this. Say, well, the Lord can use anyone. Well, the potential's there. 
But a person is not useful to God if they're dishonoring to Him. But the person who honors the Lord, who respects Him and His people and His ways and, and all the things that He's about, they become a useful person in His hand. They become equipped and prepared for every good work. I believe the Lord has a good work for each and every one of us. I'm telling you, everyone, no one excluded. There's a potential to be very, very valuable in the, in, in the plan of God, to be a very useful component in what God wants to do, where you yourself make a huge difference in what happens in God's plan and kingdom. But it's not going to happen automatically. It's not just going to happen just because we want it to. It's because we make a choice, and we make choices every day whether we're going to honor Him and whether we cleanse ourselves from these things that displease. Amen. Like 2 Timothy 2.4 says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please Him who enlisted Him as a soldier. We're in this to please God, aren't we? And I think there's people in, in, in many of your lives, people that are helping you, people that are hurting you people that are helping you to come up and people that are a drag on you spiritually people that are a drag on your good habits they're not encouraging you to go further they're holding you back from God's perfect will and God's best and this is what God's given us the wisdom to recognize not that we're going out saying oh, I'm better than everybody else no I just want to honor God more than anything more than anything, more than I want to please any person, I want him to be honored. And in the middle of that, I believe we're in a position to help more than, more than we would be otherwise. I believe if Eli would have taken a stand with his sons and said, you guys, you're stopping this today. You are out of here if you don't. He might have thought, well, they might be mad at me. I think they would have had a much greater chance of saying, hey, uh, you know, Dad's kind of serious this time. I think he's really going to do it. I think he would have had a greater opportunity of repenting and changing because someone else honored God more than them. Amen. Father, thank you today for what you're saying to us, what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. We believe that you're at work preparing, helping us to be prepared and equipped and thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us and having mercy upon us in, our, in times when we've missed it and times when we've failed. And I believe that you're leading us up in how we treat one another and how we treat your plan and your purposes so that in the end, you might have your way and your people are honored. Thank you for this privilege today and this opportunity. Father, for everyone who's come, for those who are not saved, those who are not on their way to heaven, Lord, I pray that you touch their hearts. Draw them to yourself.